Welcome to another episode of the DPHA Drip, brought to you by the Decorative Plumbing and Hardware Association, where we offer open dialogue and connection to elevate the community of kitchen and bath industry professionals. Welcome to another episode of the DPHA Drip. In today's episode, we will continue the conversation of the innovation cycle with my colleague and friend, Martin Sui. He is the founder and CEO of CEU Events and was recently recognized by Forbes on their next 1000 in 2021 list. CEU Events is an online collaboration platform aimed at transforming the way teams manage and promote their continuing education programs. In addition to decorative plumbing and hardware manufacturers, the company boasts clients such as Moen, LG, and GE. CU Events has worked with more than 100 brands with 2,500 plus presenters and has an exclusive partnership with the DPHA to better serve its members and the architect and design community. We hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to visit www.dpha.net for more information. Enjoy the show. Hey friends, this is uh, Phil Hoterek from, uh, coming to you from San Francisco, California on DPHA The Drip. Uh, I have a plumbing company and a showroom in San Francisco, California. I'm here with my friend Martin. Uh, he is an industry titan, recently recognized by Forbes, and currently, uh, currently has his company CEU Events. A uh, little history on Martin. He moved from New York City to Los Angeles in 2001 and started his professional career in the decorative plumbing industry. Since then, he has directed companies and product designs by bringing them to market and towards winning various industry awards. His network includes relationships with the top sales agencies, showrooms, distributors, architects, and designers in North America. Martin, thank you so much for your time and welcome. No, thanks, Phil, and uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us, uh, I, I always find it interesting to, uh, for people to share their journey. Uh, everybody's got their own path. And uh, you know, Martin, yours is certainly interesting. And, and uh, the last episode with uh, Vic from House of Roll, we talked a lot about innovation. So naturally, I thought it would be uh, a great opportunity to talk with you about what innovation is like in our industry. So take us all the way back to the beginning. I think I'm seeing that uh, starts all the way back in 2002. I think I was still in high school back then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the beginning of your journey? Awesome. And so uh, is that, is that mean that I'm your first boomer on, uh, on the podcast or, uh, <laughs> uh not I, quite yeah, I, th um, I think so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Vic's about your, Vic's about your age. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't no. want to offend anybody, but yeah, I don't want to get into the whole age yeah. thing. I'm not that young. So no, I just I just yeah. age myself and Vic here, so no, not that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not that long ago. Um, yeah. yeah, no problem, man. I, I moved from New York City uh, to LA in 2001, uh, basically to play volleyball, and um, uh, and ended up really taking a job here in Pasadena, California. By coincidence, I was just doing an on-site software support for a client who owned a wholesale distribution of plumbing components at that time. 
we became friends. I, you know, I think I just really asked too many questions. Uh, like, what's the big deal about the faucets? Like, why are they so expensive? Um, needless to say, a couple months later, I got a job offer to run a company that later uh, would become a water decor. So that's how my whole journey uh, began. Yeah, and water. Uh, we used to sell water decor in <laughs> our showroom, and then yeah. it was like they disappeared. We had the rep actually picked up the displays once, and that was like the last I ever seen them. I remember they had this uh, bridge faucet. They had some unique designs. Yeah. Uh, are they are they still around? You know, I, I really don't think so. I did check the website occasionally, and um, I think it was a couple, it had to be uh, probably a, over a year ago when uh, I realized I think they were yeah. just uh, completely done. But I do think they continued their journey in the aviation industry. Uh, the owner was always uh, very passionate about planes. And um, I know that lately, or last I heard, was that he had some sort of innovation created for aviation industry. That was the end of it. Yeah, go from one headache to another, right? <laughs> of operations. Hey, at, at least the water is not falling through. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. it's uh, much oh, easier. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So after after water decor, uh, what's next? Um, I think that's when you started, uh, you kind of entered DPHA and started meeting a lot of in industry contacts and, and, you know, what kind of happened from there? Yeah, it was actually during the water decor times. It's like I've, I've, I remember actually as a company, we joined uh, DPHA. And I believe that was the first or second year of DPHA existence when we did. Um, but one of the things really at water decor was what made it really um, valuable to for me and my career was the fact that we did everything in house, like from CAD drawings to 3D printing of prototypes in 2005. Like it was, I remember it was insane. Like we had a 3D printer from MIT in 2005 to test the prototypes and items. And, you know, by having uh, CNC machines, having uh, finishing facilities and plating facilities, it was an, an incredible opportunity to test and run with ideas very quickly. And um, I really think also the fact that it was so green to the industry at that time, it allowed me to come up with some crazy ideas that uh, were outside the box. Um, and, uh, you know, start really creating some products that got awards for, uh, we got awards for, and that were really innovative for its time. Um, so that's when I really got into the industry with water decor and also had the, uh, pleasure and been lucky enough to experience, you know, being able to work for a true manufacturer. Uh, were they receptive to your ideas? I mean, I know usually when your mind is, is fresh and you're kind of green into something, it's like. You kind yeah. of your mind. Well, you look at things differently than others who have been there for such a long time. Right. So you're looking at it, you're like, why don't we try this? Why don't we try this? And so were they receptive to all those ideas or were they kind of closed off or what was that? What was that process like? You know, I, I've learned quickly enough uh, that it's easier for me to ask for permission i'm sorry for forgiveness before i ask for permission <laughs> i think that was right. the whole yeah. thing that i learned really quickly uh yeah. fortunately enough the team that i was working with with the team of engineers and knowing how to just convince a guy to set up a machine helped yeah. me with achieving my goal and i think it had to get to the point when i had to prove i had something before they were like okay let's order thousands of pounds of brass and then spend hours on setting up the machines and then run your idea through thousands of uh you know quantities on the production line so it definitely uh it wasn't necessary like oh yeah you know we'll do everything that martin's crazy idea is in the sense but they were pretty yeah. cool about like 
let this guy try it and see what, what comes out of it. So I think it was just the persistence on my end and uh, pushing what I wanted to accomplish that really helped me accomplish the things that I want to see come to fruition. Yeah, I learned uh, through some of my own uh, <laughs> through some of my own creativity and some you know some ideas that I've had uh, you know in my upbringing and my process. Yeah, I found that uh, uh, it was it was like I learned anticipation because when I brought up ideas, it was like people almost like they were trying to shoot holes through my yeah. ideas. Like I'd be like, what if what if this what if we did this what if we did this and they're like, nope 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 nope. And then I had to it was like I had to anticipate what they were going to shoot through and say, nope, I actually yeah. have a resolution for this and I have a resolution for this and nope. And, and just try and like anticipate what their uh, thought process was going to be. And that sort of, you know, helped me be better with pitching ideas. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a natural reaction of human being to that because they probably assume automatically, okay, Phil, okay, Martin, you have this crazy ideas and now we're going to have to do this work. Yeah. And, and I, I really think it's like once they learned that you're, not just saying it to say it per se, but you're going to yeah. take the ownership in it and you're going to be persistent to push the idea through. Yeah. And they realize you mean it, you invested in it and you actually not given up until you see what you were talking about. Yeah. Then people start trusting you more on that. Right. So definitely there's yeah. that barrier. You have to cross it. And I mean, I can only imagine what you had to go through as the second generation, right? <laughs> of oh, it's the terrible. With your parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So kudos to you, man. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, still, still a work in progress, but um, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> hey, it, we're happy, so it's all yeah, good. That's good. That's good. Uh, so that next, uh, so I guess that led to you won a you won an award for most innovative product of the year. I guess you were part of that team, which yeah. was in that project. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, that was uh, kind of, that was really cool. Like that, that's one of the projects that's always going to stick with me. Um, we had this, you mentioned the bridge faucet, which was probably the most iconic line uh, of water decor at times. And I think, you know, everybody remembers that faucet. And um, at one point, what was happening, that was like in 2004, when, um, again, I'm going to age you a little bit here, but when the third generation of the iPod, not iPad, but iPod was released, I um, had one. It's okay. I know okay, what it is. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I know so what it is. I had one. If you remember, that was the first model introduced by Apple that actually had the touchless dial for the UI. Um, and you basically almost like you didn't have to touch it. You're just going to slide your finger over it and yeah. you could adjust the volume, skip the track, pause and play. So it really intrigued me that I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like here's his MP3 player at that time, what we used to call it. Right. And yeah. it, it's, it's like, wow, it's magic almost to the point where like, you don't have to touch it, but you can operate it. Um, and right, right around the same time, um, I ended up getting, um, a car that came in with the touchless uh, technology on the opening and door closing doors. So basically you didn't have, you, you actually had to have your key in the pocket within the proximity of the car. And then you just, you know, touch the handle, you push, you pull on the handle and you open the door. And I was like, wow, what could we potentially do with this technology in the plumbing industry? Um, and then it, I vividly remember this, just literally was one evening we were talking to the owner and he was like, hey, why don't we create this uh, version of this bridge faucet as a single hole faucet? Um, and then we'll make it so you can adjust the temperature on the top of the faucet and on the back of it was a volume control. It was all integrated. So that really was the first concept of a residential touchless faucet uh, version for the bathroom. 
application basically. And right. by by applying the touchless technology, which was then produced by a company called, I believe was Radius out of uh, Chicago. And there were huge guys on the commercial side doing all this towel dispensers and, 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 and touchless soap dispensers. They already came up with the same exact concept, meaning like using uh, electromagnetic field, like you having in the fob keys for the car industry and you had it on the iPod dial, where as long as you install this valve under the sink, and then you connected this one wire to any metal, that metal becomes your antenna. So like the moment you're, because you're grounded, you're standing on the ground and then you basically get closer with your hand to the faucet or to any fixture that this wire is connected to, then you break in the field and you're activating it. So that was the first literally sensorless, touchless, you know, residential faucet that we came up with at that point uh, that also had the volume control and a temperature adjustment because you, you don't see that even in commercial applications. So yeah, that was you know, really exciting. You know you know what else is an innovative concept is is uh is you getting into a G35. They're trying to imagine that. <laughs> but yeah, that I, was the car. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was the car. Uh, right, also, when I found I, yeah, I recently found uh it, it it didn't have it happened not too long ago, but I found I actually found my iPod Touch or you know whatever whatever they called it with the dial, yeah. and it was like a time it was like a time capsule because. Uh, you saw all the old songs that I uploaded in there. It's like yeah, almost exactly. way too embarrassing to exactly. share that with people now. So, but I I do remember that time. And um, yeah, I mean it's touchless. Uh, it touchless um, as you know as an innovative concept or like any things being touchless, motion sensor, or whatever. That is uh, that is actually really important now. What we're seeing in the industry, given that we just coming out of a pandemic and people are thinking more about hygiene mm -hmm. and so they're thinking how can we make everything more touchless you know how can we not leave uh, our bacteria yeah. or like germs everywhere um so i mean yeah pretty it's... soon we're going to be living in bubble wrap but i mean <laughs> until then yeah. but, sure there's going to be a probably touchless yeah. version of it right that you're going to not even For realize sure. that you do yeah the bubble wrap is going to be <laughs> is going to be too uh you know too Magnetic not field. hygienic something yeah so yeah. Uh, well that, yeah, that's, uh, so that's, that's an incredible story. Um, love that. And now, uh, I think, so transitioning from that, that's a yeah. few years later, you end up at Sonia America. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With Jody about... Rosenberg. <laughs> which yeah. Was, you, know... <laughs> you say that, you say that with a lot of glee, I'm, you know, probably a lot I... of stories behind that. You know, tons of stories, and I probably cannot share most of them, but there have been uh, the greatest, you know, he became a really good friend and still is a great friend. Um, it, you know, unfortunately, he had a, a health issues a few years back that took him out of the industry. But the guy had the biggest heart, and um, it really was a, you know, was that that was an experience where an ex experience was in a different way that, uh, you know, the company was basically um, producing at that point was the bathroom furniture and accessories. Um, and it was all about people networking and relationship building with the showrooms and trade professionals. Like that was the end of it. Um, and unfortunately, the 2008 financial crisis, if you remember that, and, and the knockoffs yeah. with one particular yeah. brand just basically took us out of the market. Like it was over yeah. in, in six months to 12 months. Um, and well, Jody knockoffs, being... hap knockoffs happen all the time. Yeah, and right. I and, and I think that's that's the key here that the innovation that you do, you have to make something completely different and not just an upgrade of something else to give you that edge for a few years at least. So you're becoming the leader. But when 
Yeah, so when but when a knockoff does happen, I guess if you're like um if you are a true innovator, if you're constantly coming up with, you know, that's sort of the pressure of continuing that innovation cycle. And that's what I think Vic and I were talking about was like mm -hmm. if somebody copies you, right? You you have to figure out a way to stay ahead of the curve and just right. always coming up with the the new latest idea and if people are always trying to catch up with you then you're always ahead of the game right and so it was uh what what what's that like i mean it, i'm not i wasn't in a manufacturer i would never mm -hmm. work for a manufacturer before but is that part of the conversation all the time i think everybody has that conversation and you know i'm gonna use the name here drop a big name but it's tesla you know te look what they've done um, who's that they I, there's just this little car company that it's trying to do something yeah. with electric cars, right? But yeah. what they've done, it's they literally, you know, came up with this crazy concept of, hey, let's create something that it's the best user experience you can imagine. Right. They really, I don't, I honestly, I, I don't know if they really care about the car fact. Like, it's just like, all right, yeah, because it's a car as a product, you have to have it. But what they're focused on was on the tech, the innovation and the user experience. Um, and, and I think that's how they succeeded. Because if you look at it today, even, um, I forgot what year they started officially. I think it was like around 2007 when the first Roadster was on the road. But mm -hmm. it's been over 15 years, I think, that they've been uh, around. And it's just really now it coming all to fruition where the real, the, the, the standard car manufacturers, it, it doesn't matter if they introduce a new EV, does not have the same experience. So you see, right. this is a good example when manufacturer has to think about it to be not just first one to the market with something, but that something has to be so significant different than what's existing that it will give them that five to 10 years lead, uh, you know, uh, heads up basically. Right. Um, I'm gonna use my, one of my favorite quotes of the time, of, of all times. Um, and the quote is, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, you have to build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And I, at that time when I see like, okay, Amazing. you know, this product accomplished this, then I do believe and I, you know, do see it that that's an innovative product in whatever category or industry you're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, another, that's what an amazing quote. And another, I mean, the thing that comes to mind is like, we've talked about it before, but uh, it, I mean, even staying on the topic of a user experience, mm -hmm. it was like, you used to have to go to the video store blockbuster or whatever to go you know <laughs> drive there pick up your videos right and you have to come back and then another company was like i think redbox was like oh no why don't we just why don't we just put why don't we just put the movies in a vending machine and we'll improve the uh user yeah. experience by a little bit and then netflix was like nah <laughs> to hell with all that why don't why don't you just stay home and just watch whatever you want from your tv without yeah. moving at all exactly. and then it just it changed everything and now as we all know you you can literally do everything sitting on your ass at home you could shop you could get food delivered you could watch whatever and right. just be the ultimate lazy machine hey sitting at home i i still remember when i forgot my blockbuster card I show up to pick up my movie and <laughs> they wouldn't let me rent it out to go back home get my card and I, what a I was great determined. user! What a great, what a great user experience! Yeah, right. Even yeah, like, yeah so, oh, yeah. unbelievable. So, well, speaking speaking of user experience, now after so after that, um, tra you know it was tragic because I used to sell Sony. I used to love their products. Mm -hmm. uh, then you joined uh, Thermosol, which is a very user 
user experience centric company yep. everything about they they've done a lot for the you know for steam and the user experience for steam yep. and saunas and so tell us tell us about your role there uh i i very ex hope you tell us about your creation of the Saul videos, the anime, <laughs> the animated cartoons, that was unbelievable. That was actually right before I joined the team. So how did yeah. that come about? Was um, again, I'll go back quickly to Jody. When things we didn't see on, we didn't know how bad things were. But when right. things were going bad, you know, Jody was in charge of the U.S. operations. He actually connected with me with Thermosol uh, and said, "Hey, you know, go interview. Um, I think this is a great match for you." Uh, let me know how it goes. And I'm like, what are you doing? Are you firing me? He was like, no, 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 no. Trust me. Like, this is the better choice. Yeah. Just see what happens. So that's how I got connected with Thermosol was through Jody, actually. And at that time, Thermosol. And that's how working. actually how how we got connected, because that when I first started, yep. you you visited our showroom. And so right. yeah, I think right around the time that you started, too. Yeah, because we're looking for someone who can actually not only sell it, but also support steam generators so that's how yeah. it all came up to be where we came right. to visit your show that's right exactly right. and i think you were coaching hockey at that point still um yeah so yeah we're still living the dream yeah good <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh, but yeah. yeah, so I got connected with Thermosol and, uh, you know, met with the owner who, who is uh, Mitch Altman, um, great guys. I mean, it's just like, it was, it was, it was awesome. And it was just a little bit like of going back to another manufacturer that, you know, has a U.S. made product and they make it uh, most of the stuff in, in house and being innovative, like, you know, they holding patents on so many different technologies since 1958, since, uh, I think his grandfather started a company. That's what it, uh, I just kind of had to yeah, think about it a little bit. Their, yeah, their factory is uh, it's amazing, and I I love I oh, love seeing Austin? the process. I went to oh yeah, I went to Texas, okay. saw their new factory, awesome. and it was just it was so amazing to see. Um, I love seeing U.S. made products, and I love seeing that everything in one building where you see you know mm -hmm. the customer service department, you see the sales team, you see the the people that work in the factory, and it's like they're just one big family. The yep. owner's right there. He's seeing the whole thing. He's got a personal connection with everybody in his company, and right. it's just when you when you see that live, it makes you want to support U.S. made products that much more. Uh, it, it's, yep. it's just, it's great to see. And I mean, it's, you see the whole company culture and, uh, you feel connected to it. So, you know, I never had a chance to ask actually a showroom and since you're running a showroom, um, have you ever, like, can you tell me like for if, whenever you mention to your customers about us made product, does it make any difference to them or people are just completely like. No, now it, it? well, uh, uh, well, Hey, just now curious. it does. Well, yeah, it does now. Uh, well, because um, I think before it was it was that they wanted to support a U.S. made product, right? Okay. There was this whole negativity of like offshore, you know, offshore. Right, which we I couldn't think, avoid it at some point. I think it was the I don't even know if I can say this. You know, someone will tell me if we need to edit it out later. But I think it was the whole negativity around like sweatshops or just offshore and all this stuff that whatever yeah. yeah um got it and, and and so i think people wanted to support us made products because of that uh and then now it's actually because of lead times too they can ah, they, yeah they know that point. if something is made offshore that it's going to take i mean 
the the lead times now are ridiculous. They people say twelve weeks or eight weeks or twelve weeks, and then it goes yeah. sixteen, eighteen weeks, and it keeps getting delayed. Right. But a U.S. made product, they tell you, no, it'll be there in six weeks, and it's very very reliable. And so lead times is, I think, the sec you know is now becoming another reason why people are going with U.S. made products. Right. That's great. That's great to hear. I mean, you know, um, I'm all for global economy and I just always just wondered if, you know, for the companies that really committed are committed to local manufacturing, it's not cheap yeah. for them. Yeah. There's a lot of different regulations, a lot of different red tape that they have to, you know, deal with. So I was just wondering how that, you know, it's being received in the consumer yeah. side of things. Yeah, it's a great so question for sure. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so anyhow, just to continue the thermoso conversation, just uh, quickly, you know, um, like I mentioned, they, they've got so many different patents and um, I joined them right after the videos. Actually, the videos were part of, I don't know if you know, probably since visited, you visited the company, but you know, Jerry Ristola. So he was behind the Soul voice, basically. Uh, Soul was a cartoon thing that yeah. I think one of the employees drew up in like seventies or something. And, and they thought yeah. that would be a cool way of bringing it back as a cartoon and videos, education videos on the different features and products at that time. Um, my thing was a little bit different because I always thought, you know, I, I thought of, of a luxury product. I came from a luxury site and I don't necessarily thought that the videos were, let's say luxury per se, but they worked mm -hmm. because they were so just dumbing down on the, on the, on you know, expanding the features and stuff. And it was a great marketing tool at that point. So I don't know what happened with Saul after I left, uh, not sure, but uh, still there. Still I around. use the videos. I still <laughs> use the videos. Yeah, that's awesome. It, you're yeah. right. It's very, it's, it's kind of like, for whatever reason, the customers are, are drawn to it and they right. explain it. They, they have a very simple way of explaining features to them. And so I think that yeah. they, they connect with it a little bit better and it's kind of fun and it's it's not as hokey let's say as like a cheesy salesy video it's kind right. of fun to them so that yeah. works yeah i get yeah, it i think i think it did work and um you know so but there was another company that you know there were just super all about innovations and um and trying to be basically the top uh choice for a steam category at that time and mm -hmm. i think continuing to be um, and you know, during the process, what happened there? So we did like, you know, I mean, the generators were just always pretty much superior with the features and things mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, there's really like not much you can do, although there is probably some suggestions I would have, uh, but they're also getting to a tech side of things where they start doing a touchscreens, you know, a lot of different people did touchscreens actually at that time. Right. Like there was, yeah. there was a period of time in our industry when everything had a Bluetooth in it. I don't know if you remember that, but I mean, I like do remember. Everything. Yeah, because I was I was uh, actually at that time. Uh, well, we, we we do a lot of Kohler warranty repairs. And okay, that was so that was when that the DTV. DTV yeah, that was when the DTV yeah, yeah. came out and we were always having to repair those. So I had to figure out how to fix the um, the, the manifold, the digital control, all that. And gotcha. then it, that that technology was relatively new. So there were so many glitches you had to work through, uh, not necessarily the fault of the manufacturer. I think it was just the technology just wasn't as advanced back then. And yeah. so the managing of expectations with the consumer, it was like, you know, constantly, you know, you're constantly having to like throttle that. And, and well, so, you know, you are probably in a worse position when it comes to that, because uh, you are in the middle of the Silicon Valley, the tech world, right? You're yeah. dealing with people or the, 
it pretty much uh, using stuff that it's not even available to all of us yet. They're yeah. pretty much prototype or something that they're working on secretly to introduce oh. to the mass market. Can I tell you? Can I actually it, t share something with you? Yeah, I've gone. Of course, I've yeah. okay. I've gone into houses and I put put stuff in, or I'm repairing a, a DTV or some. Actually, this happened with a, a Thermatouch screen, and this guy was having an issue with pairing it with Alexa, yeah. and he asked okay. me. He goes, hey, can you um? He goes, can you give me can you give me clearance uh, and access so that I can go into Thermosol's database and and mess with their technology? He was like, uh, I guess he was like a, he a former. It. Yeah, he wanted to reprogram it. He was a former software engineer, <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm a contractor. I'm installing this for you. Right, right, right. I, I, I'm tech savvy, but I don't, I don't even have. I'm, I'm not like I don't own the company. So I have people that ask me that all the time, or they're like electrical engineers or mechanical engineers. I mean, their expectations for technology are out of this world. Right. And right. so, but I actually, I really appreciate that because I'm like, you know what? Now I can give better feedback to the manufacturers. I don't want plumbing to be, right. uh, to have a lag in technology. I would love it. it. And I love what's happening in plumbing right now is that they're, there's really a lot of advancements being integrated into plumbing yep. and uh, I love seeing it. And so this feedback is, it's, it's really great and important. It's just sometimes like, sometimes I just roll my eyes and I'm like, are you serious, man? Like no, just take I, a shower and relax. Like some people can't relax and there's just nothing you can do about it. But, but here's the thing we are in a, you know, we live in a society. We want things instant. All right. And that means yeah, there's a problem. We want to resolve it now. And I think you bring it up a yeah. really good point because my advice to any manufacturer that gets into any type of technology being a tech, right. it's not yeah. about launching a new product. It's not about selling the first thing. It's really about the yeah. user experience and support, you know, and everything that you should be doing, you got to build your infrastructure going back to Tesla idea, right? That you have yeah. updates done over the air. So if there is an issue, if you realize, oh crap, this, you know, this batch of production things just happened, we didn't catch something. Yeah. You cannot expect a plumber to be on the job side or a contractor in UK and knowing their, let's say, network signing credentials and log in and be able to upload, let's say, a file or whatever might be necessary. If that's even an option, like that is not acceptable because we live in a society that it's everything. The moment you put a touchscreen on the wall, their experience mm -hmm. and expectations must meet what Apple and Google is doing. And I'm, I'm sorry, but there's, there's absolutely no way you can compete against that. So it's like, why are you fighting this? Why are you not ready to support it? But you have to yeah. expect that, you know, that that's going to be the consumer's perception and that's what they're going to expect it. So it's, the, it's a very difficult The product support position. has to be there. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you've nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it. 100% right. The product support has to be there. If you, it, it's almost binary. If you're going to, it's like, if you're going to release a product, mm -hmm. let's say, I bet some manufacturers are like, you know what, we're just going to stick with the tried and true. It's going to be reliable. It's, we're just going to stick with the mechanical version. Nothing, you know, very, very little can go wrong. And some, and consumers are going to like that. We don't have to sell all these fancy features, but if you are, Hey, you know what, if you're going to go to the other side, you, you want to sell all the fancy features. Right. You want to be part of that game. You have to invest equally, if not more, just as much into your product support. And I'll tell you, um, and you're right. People do 
want things fixed in real time. They want yeah. solutions. They right. want problem solvers. They want manufacturers that have thought of all the steps. Some of the best, uh, Thermosol has got great product support uh, talking about them and other, you know, I work with a, um, a tankless water heater and boiler company. Okay. They have uh, they have video chat support and awesome. they're, uh, yeah, awesome. Like, so I could be on site. I don't, you know, I, I don't have time to read all of the manuals, however, Correct. They have like uh, they have their their digital control has a wrench and it shows error code history yeah. and they have procedures for every single error code that occurs in a system. So all I have to do, uh, I could know absolutely nothing. I go there with yeah. my phone, turn my phone on, video chats on the the technician from uh, the manufacturers there. Yeah, I just go through the error code history. He reads me all of the procedures. And that is the kind of product support that people like to see because it solves their problem like I, instantaneously. I, I tell you what, I think there's an, a room for an advancement and how it should be done. That if you went yeah. out there the first time and you register yourself as a service agent for that particular water heater, right? they should have a system in place over the air sending you an error message when it happens to you. So you can yeah. be a proactive and then you can yeah. call that consumer and say, hey, Sorry to freak you out, but you have a problem with your water heater. <laughs> yeah. I got the parts. When can I come in to fix it? Yeah. I'll, that... I'll send them a text when they're sleeping. <laughs> hey, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry to interrupt your family time, but I just was notified that you have an error code on your water heater. When should I come out to fix and, it? Tomorrow yeah. morning, you won't have a hot water, but I'm here to help you. No, but, but yeah. I think that's, that's the next level that we should get there as an industry. We got to be proactive, uh, not right. reactive, because the tech is there. The you know yeah. the connectivity is there. It's just that we have to learn uh, proactive, not reactive, when it comes to tech, um, and be yeah. able to upload it and have an error. You know, updates of an error. It's the critical factor in this whole thing. You know, when you said it about mechanical parts and innovation in our industries, I cannot stop thinking. When I got to this industry, the biggest innovation in the faucet world was basically the water restrictor. And it was always like, oh, you know, our lavatory faucets are now 2.5 gallons per minute. Yeah. Now it's 2.2, then it's 1.5, then I think it went down to 0.5. And it was all driven by water regulations or some sort of uh, restrictions that CalGreen probably or WaterSense implemented. But it yeah. was all it was. It was just replacing that aerator at the end of the faucet spout. And, yeah. you know, for the longest time, that was like, that was the innovation we de dealt with for, I, I think, almost a decade or so that I can remember being in this industry. So, and it's fine, you know, mechanical things, nothing, not everything has to be digitalized or being implemented in a smart product. But if you do, then you, you got to just put yourself and try to compete against Google or Apple when it comes to the, the, the user experience. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do next, Martin. I don't know why I'm wasting my time in plumbing. I'm just going to do I'm gonna compete with them. Yeah, yeah. I guess no. You're right. Uh, let's not compete. I, that was the word. Yeah. That was the wrong word. Okay, we're not gonna compete against it. But yeah. you have to understand the consumer's expectancy of that experience will come from that. Yeah, as long as you respect their boundaries and not <laughs> you're waking them up in the middle of the night. But um, you can so up, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, so I, I really okay. Now the exciting part of so. You spent all this time in the manufacture world, right? Yep. You have, I'm, I'm loved looking, uh, yeah, you, I loved it. You got great experience, met great people. You have met so many friends, right? Got into DPHA years later, some, you know, you're like, 
you know what? I'm out. I am tired of this. I'm no more man. I'm stepping out of the manufacturer world. I'm going to go rogue. Uh, what was, what happened? What was the, what was the defining moment where you decided I am stepping out of the norm? I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to take a total risk, taking a leap of faith. Cause I think that's what everybody wants to hear about. Midlife crisis. I think if I had to summarize everything, that was it. I mean, a midlife um, crisis, <laughs> a midlife yeah. crisis in a way that, you know, I spent, I mean, let's face it on manufacturing. Like I said, I loved every minute of it. I, I went actually visited yeah. 48 states out of the United States. It was just awesome to meet all these people. A lot of them I'm still keeping uh, yeah. you know, in touch, being friends with like yourself. And um, it was great. People, everything was fun. Loved it every minute. It's just, you know, when I had two young kids and you miss too many birthdays, too many occasions, and you realize that, you know, at some point you really have to just put the family first. It was a tough decision. And just flying so much, being on the road, it was just something that I was just like, at some point something has to give in. And and I got to say, I think, I think it was just more of like addicted personality when I'm just like, you know, just keep chasing it. Just keep, keep, keep getting at it. Cause it's just awesome. It feels great. And you continue to do yeah. it, but you realize you're hurting your family in a, in a process and you're not there for them. Um, and, um, another, some other things led to basically saying like, Hey, you know, at this point you're at this age, you're, you're financially actually doing okay. You have the opportunity and you can take that chance. If you fail, you can still pick up and, you know, ask for another job, you know, get, get it. So I wasn't worried about that. So I think at that point it was like, all right, I'm going to do something different and I'm going to just basically take a chance in myself and invest in myself the next seven years. Cause I don't know why, but every time I was holding a position, it lasted seven years. Uh, so it was one of those things where like, I'm going to, is that a coincidence my... or I don't know. you think that that's, is that like pretty common? Is that your personal experience or you, you hear that like in general? No, you know, I never really ask anybody about the timeline, but I just, yeah. I, you know, I'll let you know in the next two years, if that happens with CU events, if something happens that I'm going to be another seven years. Ideas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, okay. we'll validate that. In we'll two see. Years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. TBD. Um, and exactly. And, uh, so anyhow, so at that point I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I didn't want it to like manufacture a product, physical product. I, I know the pain points of manufacturing. It's tough, man. I mean, you have physical product, you gotta, you gotta just really have a lot of money behind it, the capital to get anything to the market. That's yeah, a um, grind. It, it really is. And, you know, and then, um, my choices were like, all right, I want to go back. And what I mean, go back. It's, I always had a passion for technology, went to school for it. And I just want to go back to it. And, um, figure that there must be an opportunity on doing something digital for our industry. And then at the same time I read, or I listened to a podcast also that it said about, Hey, whatever you do, just make sure you don't try to get rich. You build wealth and try to make money while you asleep. And that just stuck with me. Like, how the hell do you do that? And, uh, one of the things yeah. that it really just came to my mind, it's like a subscription type of business, whatever that might be. And then if you come up with an idea that's digital, you don't have to actually create a physical product. You have it, you nailed it. So then you just need to find a pain point that you can resolve for as many people as possible and then just validate your idea and run with it, right? Just invest in coding and developing the program, program whatever you're doing. And that's when CU Events idea came about because with every manufacturer I worked with, every manufacturer I talked to, they're always challenged or, you know, the goal is to be in front of trade professionals. They want to get specified. They want to 
um, get the next project, whatever that might be, you know, and calling on A&D community through the past was just something that I also enjoyed. I love the trade professionals. I love their creativity. I love seeing what they're working on. I mean, it's just like something that I can like, you know, I don't even consider work. I just really love it. Um, and I'm you like, like wow. You like connecting with people in, in different walks of life, different sectors of the industry. Yeah, but I also love and I appreciate the design aspect of it. Like, you know, when you look at the drawings, blueprints of like, you know, skyscraper and you're like, holy crap, like look at thousands of yeah. pages of like all these drawings and detailed information that went into that. It was just yeah. awesome. So it's I love interesting. That. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I love that part of it, too. My engineering uh, mind, the creativity, all that, like it's so it's so mm -hmm. fun to look at. It's so fun to learn and be a part of that being project oriented, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, wanted to be, you know, whatever it was, I wanted to have one foot with the manufacturers in our industry and then also the trade, trade professionals. And throughout my career, just uh, being, you know, around CEUs specifically, I really saw how many bad presentations there are and how bad some presenters are. And I realized that there's just like no system in place for the manufacturers to be able to uh, measure that, uh, be able to address that, and also provide the reps with much easier tools to do that. Because when it comes to CEU process, and I'm not going to get into that because there'll be another podcast, but everything until now that we've done it, it was a manual paperwork logistic nightmare. Like, you know, I just ran an event. I just ran an event uh, yesterday. And most yeah. of the designers were used to that. And they were like, do I got to fill out a form? Do I got to do this? Yeah. Do I got to do that? We're like, because we used your platform and we're like, nope, we just need your number. And just they, sign they, it. they were, <laughs> oh, they were, they were like, really? That's it? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So exactly yeah. it. You Amazing. know, there's all the different associations, different regulations, different approvals, different sign-in sheets, different certificate of completions. It's just like, it's really yeah. not something that, you know, I know manufacturers expecting to do from the reps, but it's not something that salesperson or rep really wants makes to do. you it not want to do no. the event. You look at all, right. you look at the procedure of all that. Not only yeah. does the rep not want it, they're like, oh man, I don't even want to do this. I like no event. I'll just go see you. And then yeah. the designers are like, eh, I don't want to, I want to do that. Right. Because, you know, it is, look, they're all in billable hours, right? So we have to realize it's yeah. like, that's their time, it's money. And they wanted to learn, they want to see what's new, but at the same time, they would love to earn a credit towards their uh, CEU requirements for the state or associations they belong to. Mm -hmm. So you're, this is a, a perfect opportunity uh, to network, to connect. Um, and when I looked at the whole process, it's again, it, went, it was just very fragmented. It was very manual. It was all paper driven. We're just like, forget it. I'm going to do something about it. And we're just going to build a system um, that we can just basically introduce to the industry. And that's what we did. We took complete gamble chance on this. Um, you know, I had a crew, actually it was an ex-Google uh, software architect that I have on staff who just happened to be my best friend. So there was a little bit of cheating there because again, all I had to do is convince him that we're going to have a ping pong table at one point at the office and uh, free beer. And uh, I got the, you know, I got the guy to build it at that point. Uh, but that's how we started. I mean, that's, hey. <laughs> so if you figured out the formula, I mean, some people are just looking for a couple things and you know, it's not all about money, right? It's like lifestyle, no. happiness and enjoying what they do. You know, I mean, for sure money, it's important, right? Like that's something yeah. that you're going to have to make living towards, but, uh, yeah. from, but you know, one thing is that I have to say it's, uh, 
bootstrap anything you can. Don't look for investment money uh, because that's going to complicate everything in the beginning, especially. Um, and when you bootstrap it, you appreciate every penny. You appreciate everything else that you're, you know, you're basically bringing into the table, and it validates your idea much faster. So like I, we're doing with this podcast, I'm bootstrapping this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I buying actually, my own equipment. I heard you just got a new <laughs> mic, man. Yeah, so oh, you yeah. see, that's you know, that's exactly it, man. Like I think that's a great yeah. thing. You know, it's you're. You're investing in it, and I think that's a great thing. So uh, yeah, I, I'll always support you as you know as much as I can on this. So thanks, buddy. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So then, all right. So now you've created this product. Yep, we got a or, product. Or I guess not. I mean, I guess digital product. I mean, what do yeah, you? It's a is it a? It's a product. Yeah. Service or is product. it? Is it a software as a service? Would you say technically it is? That's or? what it is. Yeah. It's okay. A SaaS, okay. It's a SaaS platform. It's a SaaS. Mm -hmm. It's a SaaS platform. Uh, and you launch it, you convince your buddy, you put a ping pong table and free beer in the office. First big investment. It was guys, in my house first, yeah, in a garage. In your house first, in a garage, garage, garage just story. like all great, True where all great stories. things start in everybody's yep. garage. And you launch it, what's next? Uh, you got um, You got to get people to buy into it, right? What happens after that? Yeah, so um, again, um, I'm a small business type of guy when I grew up in, you know, we always called on the small boutique showrooms to start with, worked for smaller companies. Uh, so I always want to help the smaller guys, basically, because I know it's tough. And um, uh, my buddy came from Google and Google always concentrated on enterprise size companies. So, you know, <clears throat> it was one of those things that I had to adjust my thinking. And you do have to sell it. I mean, the, the time and effort it's going to take, it's really going to be the same. If you're selling to SBA, uh, a small businesses or enterprise, it pretty much is the same process, the same length, the same effort. Uh, but obviously the rewards and the size of the company and the usage when you get the enterprise companies interested, it validates you much further in a bigger way and you need less of them, more support on your end, but it's just the way to go for the future. And for, at least for us, right? So we basically, at that point, I was really scared. We went to HD show for the first time. And, um, you know, we're walking next to this um, huge company that's very respected. It's probably uh, top three. Uh, I'm sure it's top three plumbing manufacturer. And I honestly was like, don't, don't even worry about it because we can't get to the right person at this company. Let's just keep walking. And, you know, uh, my buddy was like, no, we got to go find out. Like, they might need us. And it just happened, man. It was all about timing, the luck. And we met the nicest person uh, from that company that basically said, you know, uh, look, just give me a call after the show. Uh, your timing, it's perfect. We need your services as soon as possible. And literally, we got on the call. We were interviewed. We showed a demo of the product. And I think it was like in 30 days, we got them on board. Um, and that was another lesson learned, too. If you're doing something new, uh, don't ask your friends for validation. Do not go to your friends to buy the first product. Go to a complete stranger and try to sell it to them. And really learn from that experience to see uh, what does it take, how hard is it, and is it really that good as you thought. And that was the point where it was just like, you know what, we got something. Let's just keep going. And I don't think it's, we would stop per se, but it definitely felt great. And, uh, you know, four years or almost now five years later, there's still our... Uh, customer and we're super happy and I hope they are as well with us. Yeah, that's such a great point about not going to your friends because yep. that's I would say that's everybody's first instinct, right? To get Always. get validation from your friends. That's a, or your your brother, your sister, mom or dad or whatever. Yep. Uh, so people who are too close to you might give you 
uh, bad advice or they might say oh my god yeah it's great oh oh my god so awesome so yeah and then it's you're not getting that real feedback and so i think i think that's almost one of the best uh nuggets uh maybe that we've heard so far is like hey go to a complete stranger get that raw feedback um and and i mean you're that's that's a real test into the market it's just or putting it out there yeah, or you know what, like probably in our industry, if you're a manufacturer, go to a showroom that has your competitor as an exclusive yeah, and propose, awesome. you know, just show them a new product yeah. and see what they think. Yeah. Let, let's see if you resolve yeah. the pain points. I mean, I, I think that would be the quickest yeah. and the best validation and the least expensive uh, test. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or I mean, like you said, walk into a showroom with a product that has your competitor and show them instantly that whatever you have makes your competitor obsolete and it's right. like hey what do you think of this and they're like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but i that's so oh wow so i mean must have felt great to get awesome. a giant yeah to get a giant i mean that validation must have been it must have been great on so many levels Yep. Right, right for your midlife crisis for all that it was like <laughs> my wife's support it, no. oh <laughs> she's been yeah. great throughout this whole uh, thing by the way <laughs> well that's hey that's that's another one right having a having a strong partner by your side like all these things i bet played uh played a little part part yeah. in uh in in this process and so after that the ball i guess just, it just sort of snowballed and and what what happens after that right what happens after you get that initial validation because a lot of the time maybe you get the validation and then it's like a false sense of, uh, sense of security but what happens how do you keep the ball rolling after that yeah so you know i've learned from that and i listen to the advice that it was like you no know, keep going keep doing this validation and get more uncomfortable so the only way to get uncomfortable is to going to the manufacturers uh with huge names world recognition in like carpet categories or tile categories or you know um uh sound masking category which we had no idea about we never knew this manufacturers we never been in this industry so we start going with the idea like here's the demo this is what we have this is the pain points that we're resolving for you and we go into this 30 minute demo that we did everything over zoom since 2017 so you know it was one of those things like we're virtually and uh, remotely we're doing all these connections and and also through trade shows just to get the personal uh, relationships going um and then once we start getting again top names in uh, different categories it was just like okay this is good so then we start asking everybody just uh, and they knew that working with us it's just all about feedback uh because again i i did this you know, I have this uh, advantage, I think, uh, personally, that I've called on the A&D professionals. I've done the paperwork. I've managed reps. I've ran the company's programs. And so it's easy for me to identify all the pain points. I had it. And then, you know, you're just, again, you validated that those pain points are also needed for other people. They start paying you for the services and solutions to it, right? Um, and then you, what you need to do is just make sure because you got to be a super user of your own product. So if you guys come up with a kitchen faucet, I, you better have that kitchen faucet installed in your own freaking kitchen and then keep using it every day because you're going to learn so much things from it, how you can improve it. And that's also what we've done. It's like we keep using our own, own, own software and platform for different things that keeps us basically always in the process of what we're building. And then when you're 
have the basically a way of getting a feedback directly to you and you can react fast enough because you're a startup, you're a small company. You know, I can talk to the software architect in-house and he's going to come up with the best solution over it and we can react fast. Things can happen. It can be very dangerous at point, but it can work and be very beneficial if you if you get it right. Um, and it's all about that. It's you're taking the chances, but you're taking the calculated chances based on the feedback and the data that you have it. And um, I, I really think that's just like what was the recipe for our success so far. And we're hoping to continue that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, and and you also had DPHA support. I remember when you yep. and I were trying to uh, figure out a way to integrate it into the association somehow. And I remember all of us on the board were we're just, we were like championing for you almost. We were like, man, Martin's got this really great idea. We want to figure out how to make it great within our industry and to help it resonate. And then I think through a lot of the conversations that you and I had, I think I discovered or we, you know, I discovered and then we discovered together as well mm -hmm. that like education, education, education was such a was such a cornerstone of not just the association, but it was a connecting point in different sectors of the industry. So we just, you know, trying to connect with more architects and designers, the association always needed more connectivity with architects and designers. And we, you and I saw a sort of using CEO events as a vessel to connect with them. And I think that's how it's being utilized today. And I think once everybody sort of discovered that this, you know, light, big light bulb went off and I think more and more people are catching on and that this is uh it, it is such a great resource and and utilization for connection oh, uh yeah and and i mean i i saw it yesterday from a personal experience we hosted an event it made it so easy it gives more time for people to connect at events yep. um and and you just you don't have to waste your time filling out papers doing all the tedious yep. tasks that you don't want to do and you can spend more time doing what you want to do at events. I mean, you know, now <laughs> we're going to see a saturation of events. I think uh, more and more the, the, the events almost feel a little bit awkward. People are like, geez, I haven't <laughs> been to one of these in over a year, almost a year and a half. And they're like, I don't know what to do at this. It's like, yeah, you have to relearn how to have conversations, but, uh, and, but it's, and, it's good. And no buffet uh, lunches, right? <laughs> you just can't we had do a, that anymore. Uh, yeah. We had barbecue. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah we had barbecue nice. and we had some vegetarians there and they're like uh what do you it, you know what i mean it's just like some of some of those things like so we had hey. barbecue and then there were a few vegetarians that were like oh so they're like do you have any vegetables they're like we got some corn <laughs> can you grill on the other side of the grill i mean yeah. look, this is the reality that reps you know and uh people calling on architectural firms that happens all the time like you yeah. know they they gotta host For those sure. lunch and learns and they gotta they gotta deal with the food ordering and I yeah know. in your area man not to say it but san francisco had some probably yeah. the most picky eaters there but uh, it's all good. yeah 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 <laughs> i mean ceu events i mean that's going to be the next problem to solve is to like have some kind of food allergy algorithm to we, figure that out we actually start working on it uh a company Come called caviar that yeah, was supposed yeah, to be a yeah. joke okay so you, no no okay. it wasn't a yeah. joke we okay. we literally it was a caviar and then uh we we're negotiating with them a deal that it actually had an option for the presenters to be able to create a manual link 
menu to excuse me a link to the menu of the restaurant and set a budget Amazing. so when you confirm registration to the event it will then automatically send an email to the attendee saying hey here's a menu what you can pick from and order it for yourself and then that Amazing. all linked on the back end the problem was like we were so close to actually closing the whole deal on on the yeah. back end integration and then uh dart uh, doordash came in and bought him like just literally like weeks before we finalized this and obviously that just like you know got pushed away and uh was not as important anymore uh so we couldn't get the contacts at, at doordash and um yeah COVID happened so i'm uh, sure you'll figure out a way you're persistent you'll figure yeah. it out yeah <laughs> maybe one you'll day find some way yeah or I'll, I'll have you barbecue man i think that's easier barbecue <laughs> yeah that was it was good i mean i i liked it but yeah we had to it was something we had to think about so but I mean, the the point the point here is that it's like you're you're solving all the pain points of hosting an event, and and that's Managing. what that's what the essence is of it. And I think that with how it relates to DPHA is that we can use it to connect with not only other sectors of the industry, other associations, and it really extends and broadens our reach to. Uh, to really share our resources, what we yeah. have to offer, share our value with just everybody else. And and I mean, sky's the limit. I just, I hope that our members and our listeners are, are you know, hope hope they're getting inspired. And I hope that they're, maybe maybe they could teach us new ways uh, of how to use it or new ideas or some some feedback. Uh, is there is there feedback that you've gotten that you're working on or any any new developments? Um, you know, so what are we what are we focusing right now? It's um, trying to predict what the hybrid training format is going to be, and what okay. does that mean? Um, you know, you got as, as things are going back to normal somewhat. Like, I mean, the only thing it's like we're going backwards in LA County as of today. Uh, but you know, hopefully that's just going to be a temporary for the next couple of days. But what's happening is the reality is all these. Um, big firms, so let's say they really are choosing the remote format of remote working format or a hybrid format. So what does that really mean now uh, to the manufacturers? So like, how is that going to change on how they're going to be conducting trainings in general? So we've seen that there's like a need for uh, new options and integrations to make events that are face to face also at the same time being streamed or broadcasted live for audience that it's watching them in a webinar format. So a couple of things that we're working on it. And then we're also working on um, a catalog that it will just help all of our subscribers uh, to catalog all the different uh, courses they have. And what's new and innovative we've done it is that we've done all the research on the state requirements when it comes to interior design, architectural and plumber professionals. So what we wanted to do is like we're going to be uh, recognizing courses based on the profession and also uh, based in the fact if they're meeting the requirements on the state level. So that way, attendees taking those courses can then get credit on the state level. Because a lot of people think like associations, like, you know, I'm not going to mention the names because I'm always going to get in trouble for that. But they think that like, certain associations are like, you know, the standards or the national requirements. That's not true. Uh, the state licensing boards are the ones that's setting this up and they require them for the license renewal. So we're going to make it easier for attendees based on the state requirements to take right courses and, and satisfy them. And in addition, we'll offer the credits for all the association requirements fulfillment. So it's going to just do organize really the whole industry and the whole state requirements. But that was just a that was just a really long process that we're still working on just to getting to the 
government entities on every state for three different licensing boards for three different professions just been a long process um other than that you know as you mentioned there's the cu events program specifically that we did it for um dpha and you know um unfortunately i think it's not being it, it for whatever one reason or another it hasn't been that successful but we're going to have it we're going to have it for the association i mean i love that association i love the people so it doesn't matter if we're you know the numbers are low per se on that it, it's just more that we can help um any manufacturers that never done ceus they have a chance to very inexpensively get in and just to kind of see what would it take with a generic type of courses you know it's a perfect alternative to reps that needed more cu content uh to subscribe to it and have more options and even showroom professionals you know like if you want to uh you know phil just basically host your own events and be an instructor and then going on your own to architectural firms and getting those relationships built um so anyhow so that's just kind of like the per subscription, you know, individual per license subscription. Uh, I think we have three courses available there right now. Yeah, uh, there it's the, does internet price outweigh- um, Industry knowledge. Industry knowledge yep. and then bath innovations and kitchen innovations. Yep. How would you like to, so, I mean, sometimes, I mean, cause I see this with, with new products as well. Sometimes it, yeah. it takes a little bit of time for, for, the, for the market to catch on. I've, I've seen products take almost two years to catch on and then it explodes, right? It's just like, sometimes yeah. the market just doesn't have that visibility or that, that, uh, vision into it. Right. Or sometimes it just doesn't match. So how yeah. would you like to, what is it that you were expecting or how do you think that it could be best utilized if, you know, you're going to keep it in there anyway. So what would you like to see or, or what do you, how do you think our members can best utilize those tools? You know, I think there's a great opportunity for collaboration here if industry wants it. Um, you know, the two courses that you mentioned, Kitchen Innovations and Bath Innovations, like what we created, mm -hmm. they're very generic, but literally yeah. in the beginning of our, uh, and actually reason we uh, st we started those courses was because we wanted to know how to create the proper courses through the approval process for mm -hmm. many different uh, requirements on the state and association level, right? So we had to mm -hmm. go through the process. So we're like, oh, let's go create our own courses. But the second idea was to like, let's create something that's in a generic way, literally talking about innovations, not just like, oh, this is innovation to me because we didn't have it. But then in the marketplace, you see the same thing like introduced or similar to it uh, for five, six years. So it's like, that's not innovative per se. Yeah, or they tweak it or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And they're so like, look at like, this new thing. No. And you're like, yeah. ah, it's not very new. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so so we were like, hey, we're going to create this innovative, uh, just again, items from kitchen category. And the second course was about the bathroom categories. Uh, but it, we did it because we wanted to have it like, again, experience of creating courses, be able to reach out to these manufacturers, because that was the only way they really like answered to us, because we're like, hey, can we use your images for copywriting? And then automatically their legal team would forward that to the marketing team and we would know exactly who the marketing contact is. So it worked, right, to get <laughs> yeah, into yeah. Those, those companies. That's uh, brilliant. But, <laughs> but at the same time, we're like, hey, this is a great CEU right now that we just yeah. have no idea who's going to present because we did this for internal purposes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then we, again, spend a lot of time and energy on it, but we build this uh, thing per subscription per license per instructor. And, you know, we tried to market it to the reps, we tried to market it to the uh, manufacturers and showrooms, and it just didn't go anywhere. And I think partially was because at the end of the day, showrooms, you know, they didn't want to take the easy way out. Like you said, they know that the old process, it's a paper nightmare. 
I don't want to get into it. I'm not good at it. I'm just going to call the manufacturer to do it for me, right? Or the rep. And they do it. Mm -hmm. uh, reps, like you said, process was not so user-friendly. I probably don't want to do another one. So it's like they don't understand the difference now with the electronic format. Um, and manufacturers, I don't know, maybe we didn't even push hard enough because we have enough, we had enough business from manufacturers that already had their own programs and we just directly, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah. it was just easier to onboard them on the platform that we already built it. Um, mm. so I think what, what I, what I'm getting with that is if, you know, it's time to update those two courses for sure. Cause I think there were 2017 innovations, but I bet you, mm -hmm. if you look at some of the stuff, you still find it like, oh, I didn't know this existed actually. Um, and I think it's time to update it. So like, I'm all for idea, you know, Hey, let's run this through the PHA. Um, mm -hmm. even like, Hey, you know, send out an email to Beth manufacturers. Like if you have anything innovative, submit it to us, you know, one pager about your product with the picture in a high res and send it over to us. We'll review it. Like what would work or not. And we'll just do the legwork to create a new updated courses. And maybe that engagement of everyone would restart the interest in it. Don't know, but we're definitely, uh, probably would be worth trying to to do that um expectations again i think it's more to like i just want to help people you know if this helps two or three people and we definitely have like 10 users that are just like power users of it um and they're just like they love it you know so i i, I wouldn't even have a heart to tell them that this is going to get discontinued at this point so uh, I'm, I'm satisfied mm -hmm. either way the way it is but i would love to see more interest at the pha and hopefully, yeah, hopefully through collaboration, maybe, you know, maybe at the next event, I mean, the the next conference is coming up, the in-person conference, finally, that's going to be so yeah. much fun. Book hopefully, today, man. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just got them. I'm in. Uh, hopefully, a lot of conversation can happen there. I mean, usually the best business is done like at the hotel bar something it's almost never on where it's supposed to like showcase. in the meetings or in the break. Yeah. Never at the showcase. It's always like at the hotel bar at like right. the breakout dinners or something. But uh, hopefully a lot of conversation can happen there. I'd like to share my personal experience with it. I, I've been, you know, I used to, I, my pain points were getting people to show up to my events, right? I was hosting events, which which you, you've been very encouraging in the past of like, hey, don't worry about the low numbers. And we've gotten projects from like events where I've had like two people show yep. up or three people, whatever, just host the event. It's it's always good. Just host it, go through it. Man. Yep. Yeah, but since using your event and I figured out a formula, I, I reach out to other associations, ASID, NARI, uh, some of the uh, even the marine builders. Chapter? Yeah, just the local yeah. chapters, and and Sorry. I've I've yeah I've gotten involved in those local chapters. Ask them to help promote the event, and I seek out manufacturers and reps who utilize CEU events because it makes the process easy. Yep. Uh, the invitation, they just click on a link, they register, they show up, uh, they get their credits instantly. That's how I've been hosting events, and uh, consistently, we've been getting at the bare minimum I've, i don't think i've gotten less than 15. yesterday we hosted an event we had uh, almost 40 registered obviously some last minute no shows but yeah. uh, i think the final number was somewhere around 32 or 33. so that i mean a lot of business is 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 done at those events and everybody yeah. had a great time the presentation was was uh was was great so uh, that's just to share with everybody. That's how, uh, that's one way that you could, you could utilize the platform for sure.
Yeah, and you know, thanks for sharing that. And I, I really want to just emphasize on the numbers on it. It's like it's not about the quantity; it's about the quality, and it's the frequency and consistency of your events. You know, Absolutely. you call, you know, calling once on an architectural firm at four every four years is just not going to work. It just, just quit doing it. No, Uh, just not going no, to do it. So, you know, no. I found that it would, um, it's interesting because usually when the licensed senior um, attendees need the credit, they're showing up or they're showing up to your meeting within the firm where you launch. Well, you don't might not realize that the senior designer or uh, principal of the actual firm does not look on the internet what's specifying next is the No. interns you know the Yeah. interns are coming in there and they're getting a task like hey we need a faucet or we need a shower fixture that is going to fit this and look that go find them Right. and it's the interns are being then looking on the internet so i always say like when you visiting architectural firms or you're calling in, des in design firms whatever it might be don't ignore the students don't ignore the interns because Nope. that would be like my biggest advice that you're going to be planting those seeds for the future And, you know, those individuals will grow into the industry and they're going to remember you. And it's always like that's like the best thing you can do um, for the future for yourself and the brand. They remember Well, that. a lot of the times what we've discovered, too, is that in design firms and architectural firms, I'm not speaking for all of them, by the way, Mm but hmm. we've noticed Yeah. in some of them that the principal or, you know, the senior designer, or the head designer, they're Yep. not they're not the purchasers, the assistants No. or like you said, the interns or uh, the people who are, you know, doing a lot Junior of the laid positions work. potentially, Yeah, yeah. they're the they're the ones doing the purchasing. So we've actually that it's such a great point. Pay attention to everybody on the team. Make a Right. connection with every single person on the team. Doesn't Yep. matter who they are. Uh, I mean, I think that's just a, a, a good rule of thumb anyway. I mean, you just you, you always want to make a good impression on anybody you, you come into contact with. You never know who they are. You never know what they do or what impact they could have uh, later on. So Right. great, great No. point. Excellent. Yeah. You know, it's like when I was calling in the showrooms, uh, a lot of my uh, even reps like, you know, hey, let's go to the owner. I'm like, no, we're always going to talk to the owners. We're friends. We're going to have a beer. We're going to have dinner. But I Yeah. want to talk to salespeople that are basically are making the decisions in front of the clients. If Yep. they, you know, change the spec or do whatever, that's Yeah. your army that you have to focus on. Um, and that's the people that you have to get to know. So whatever you do, PKs, CEUs, you know, just ask yourself why you're doing this. And the, the answer should be. You're building the business relationships. These people have already options and product in your category. They're happy with it. They specifying it. You're not going to get their business until you build that relationship and trust that they can be able to give you a chance to prove yourself that you're as good or better than the competitor. And that's what CEU events, I think, is all about. It's about bu building relationships, building Yep. trust, building trust with the technology, building uh, relationships Just in making sectors it easy. of the industry, making it really easy. And uh, with that, I'd love to end on that note. Uh, we I mean, I could Martin, we have such great conversations. We could talk for hours. We'll definitely have to have you back uh, No problem. for more for more episodes. But. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your time. Congratulations on all your success. And uh, you're a very humble guy, but I do want to share with everybody. Martin was recently recognized by Forbes. Uh, his company is, is, is doing excellent. They're making waves, not just in decorative plumbing and hardware, but across all, you know, all industries related, uh, what paint, carpet, Uh, I, I can't even name all of them, but it's just you've just done so well. And I wish you all the best because uh, Thank you. I think I think with innovation, it's 
it's not just coming up with the idea. It's having the courage, having, you know, having the drive, having the persistence, all of those things. I mean, it, it really takes an, ex an exceptional person to create something and to stick with it, to go through all the all the pain and the struggle of actually making it successful. So a lot of the times people only see the end result, but they don't see the struggle of, of what it is to get there. Uh, so, I mean, what a, what a great story. And, and thank you for sharing that with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening and uh, wish you all the best and also be safe and well and see you in September in Austin. See you in Austin, everybody. All right. Take care. All right.